got to the frustrating point, right? You know, Dory was frustrated. I was frustrated. This wasn't a good place for our, our relationship. It was impacting our marriage. So Dory thinks I'm ignoring her, and I think she mumbles all the time. You know, it's just, just this tension going on. So, so we actually, we talked about it, and we decided that I should go ahead and have a hearing test done. So have you ever done one of those where they, where they put you in like the soundproof b button? They hand you this clicker, and they say, you know, click the button every time you hear a beep. So it starts out nice and loud, and you're clicking all confident, you know, and then it gets softer, and then you just start thinking you're hearing these beeps all the time. So you just start clicking the button fast as you can, hoping every now and then you, you get one right. So I went through that, and, and then they had a, a spoken word test where, where, where the um, guy would just kind of whisper a word, and you'd have to repeat it back. And we went through this whole thing, got it done, and surprisingly, when I got the, the results back, I passed the test. You know, and, and here's the funny part is, you know, I'm, I'm talking with the audiologist about, about my test results, and, and I thought for sure I would just walk out of there spending thousands of dollars on hearing aids. And, and he says, you know, says, Dave, you have some slight hearing loss, but very normal and within the acceptable range for a guy my age. And so I tell the guy, I said, but my wife says I need hearing aids, right? And then the audiologist and all of his wisdom and discernment, he says, you know, Dave, make eye contact with your wife and look at her when she's talking to you. And guess what? It works. <laughs> you know, I thought, man, this guy's brilliant. If I just look at my wife, I can understand what she's saying. Some of the best marriage advice I've ever received came from this audiologist at Costco. So guys, marriage pro tip for you, you know, when your wife is talking to you, put down the phone, close the book, turn off the TV, and make eye contact and listen, because it does work. Well, today in our sermon series through Luke called For Everyone, we come to chapter 8. And this is a chapter um, where we're going to look at 21 verses, kind of a bigger chunk. But throughout these verses, the word hear or listen is used nine times in 21 verses. So I think Jesus is trying to tell us something and, and wake us up. But when we see the word hear in the Bible or listen, uh, it, it means that, that you listen with spiritual understanding, with receptivity and obedience. It's always, always paired in Scripture with this idea of action or response. And we'll see that very clear in our context today. And when, when I say pairing with response, it, it means that, that you listen for the purpose of action. It's listening you know, and connecting to the point where you act, where you follow in obedience, and the, an obedience that then leads to life change. So what are we called to be obedient to? Well, in our text today, running through each of these scenes is a focus on the Word of God. In three different sections in chapter 8, Jesus drives home that when it comes to the Word of God, we are first to hear and receive it, second, hear and share it, and third, hear and practice it. So let, let's dive in and look at this first idea of receiving God's Word. You know, a, a side note in, in our Bibles, in, in the version that I use, Luke chapter 8 has a subheading called Parable of the Sower. 
Now, you've got to realize those subheadings are not part of the original text, the original scripture. Those are added by the publishing company, and they, they vary from, you know, version to version. Whatever, whatever uh, version of the Bible of this, the companies publish, they, they put on their own subheadings. So even though it's probably familiar to you as the parable of the sower, I think it's really more about what's on the receiving end. So the, the soil there, it tells us, is represent, represents the, the Word of God. That, or excuse me, the seed represents the Word of God. And it's really about, about the, the soil and where the seed of God, the Word of God, lands. So I think if, if I were to, to give it a subheading, I would probably call it the parable of the soils because it's about where those seeds land. So in, in this parable, Jesus describes different kind of hearts, different kind of soils, and, and what it looks like to, to have the Word of God planted. And we'll kind of move through these quickly because it might be familiar to you if, if you've spent some time reading through the Gospel of Luke or, or heard it before. In verse 12, Jesus uh, begins to explain this parable that he's talking about. And in verse 12, he, he describes for us what a, a closed heart looks like. He says, those along, he's talking about the seed, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So Jesus is saying a hard heart is unresponsive to the seed of God, the Word of God being, being planted. The soil is hard, it's compacted, the seed is put down and it bounces right off. And because it's hard, the devil is allowed to come in and take it away. The devil takes advantage of that hard heart and says, yeah, you're, you're not receiving it, so I'm going to take it. And you might know people in your life that, that have been hard-hearted. You might have, been, have reached out to them in the past or, or you know, put a few seeds in there about faith, about Jesus, about the Word of God, and it gets shut down right away. And this scripture just reminds us that in the world there are people like that. In our lives, in our spheres of, of influence, there are people that just do not want anything to do with Jesus. But then Jesus goes on to describe a careless heart. And in verse 13, he says, those are the rocky ground, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. You know, I've known people in my life where, where yeah, the, the word dwells for a time, but it doesn't penetrate down deep enough to get a solid root system. And during those spiritually dry times or those, those times of testing, uh, the plants wither. They fade away. You know, and those spiritually dry times, they, they will come in our life. You know, there, they, they, there will be times where things are hard, where when we read Scripture, it just seems dry, it feels dry, it, it's, it's not resonated with us, but we know that if we have roots deep enough, we can get through those dry seasons. But Jesus is describing that careless kind of heart that allows other things in life to take it away. And then Jesus describes a, a crowded heart in verse 14. He says, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. 
These are people that haven't weeded out the other things in their life that might compete for Jesus, that might compete for putting Jesus as priority. So yeah, they, they want a little bit of Jesus, but they also want a little bit of this or that. You know, they, they want faith in their terms, but they, they allow all the other stuff of the world, all of, our, all of our, you know, work life, all of our activities, all that stuff seems to weigh heavier and, and take precedence over running after Jesus. So they're a crowded heart. And then lastly, Jesus talks about a cultivated heart. And the cultivated heart is ready to receive, it's ready to nourish, and it's ready to flourish. And he describes it as the seed on good soil. That stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. They hear it. In other words, they listen with that idea of receptivity. They persevere, they hold on to it in the dry times and in the, the times where life is good, and as a result, they produce a crop. You know, I, I've, I've mentioned before, but, but I've been working on our lawn all summer long. Ask Dory, she would probably use the word obsessive with, with my work on the lawn. You know, it's, it's a good release for me. I get out there, I can work with my hands, get dirty, and I'm beginning to see the fruit of my labors. So I fertilized it early in the season, and each week I'm out there pulling weeds, and I'm pull, pulling the wrong kind of grass and planting the good kind. So I'm pulling crabgrass, and I'm planting Kentucky bluegrass and these other varieties, and it's beginning to show signs of a healthy lawn. And next year it's going to come up thick and green and lush, and I can't wait for Dory to mow it all summer long. <laughs> she loves it, really. You know, but if I didn't do that prep work, if I didn't fertilize it, if, if I didn't dethatch it, if I didn't get the soil ready, all of those seeds I planted would be, would be a waste of money and time. But because I did that pre-work, because I fertilized it, it's beginning to show some great work. You know, the bottom line of this parable of the soils or the parable of the sower is not only that the seed matters, the seed is the word of God, but dirt matters as well. A couple of years ago, I, I, I read a book by that title, Dirt Matters. And it was just, just a great short little book that, that reminds us of how important the soil is for church health, for spiritual health in our lives. You know, knowing that the seed is the word of God, we, we know that the seed is good. It's going to accomplish what, what God desires to, when and where and with whom. But, you know, so the parable of the sower is about spreading that as far as we can go. But the soil is the human side of the equation, isn't it? It represents our hearts and, and it represents the hearts of where the seed is sown. And hearing and receiving depends on, on the soil of our heart. So, Journey, I need to ask you this morning, is your heart the right kind of soil? Is your heart soft enough and open enough to not only hear God's word, but to receive it? Is your heart soft enough to, to retain it, to hang on to it, you know, and to allow it to sprout into fruit? Is your heart soft enough that you'll persevere to let it guide you? You know, this parable about the soils, it, it might be familiar to you, but it's a great reminder of, and a, 
opportunity to pause and kind of look at our own heart and, and realizing, okay, there might be areas in our life where, where I've been hard. There might be areas in my life where I've been resistant. There might be areas that, that I've allowed the thorns to, to crowd out Jesus working. But it's also a reminder that, you know, if you really want to see spiritual fruit in our life, it's being opened up to God in every aspect of our life. So this parable then makes a transition from seeds and soil to lamps and light. Now that might seem like a disjointed jump and might not seem connected, but the word listen in verse 18 of Luke chapter 8 ties these verses together. So instead of just being random parables, random stories, Jesus is continuing the same theme of hearing and listening and receiving, and now he, now he brings it home and he's using the example of lamps and light. So in verse 16, Jesus continues this and he says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see it. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. You know, this is a parable. These are parables. And Jesus uses parables for a purpose. A parable is a story, and it's a story that, that takes something familiar like seeds and soil or lamps and light and it brings it alongside the truth in order to illustrate the truth to drive that truth home and to apply that truth to our to their lives now in jesus day when he began talking about a sower and seeds that would have resonated with people this was an agricultural community or agricultural region so jesus would have been talking their language you know, they, they would have connected. They, when he started talking about that, they would arouse their interest. They're like, yeah, I, I can relate, you know. You know, it'd be like, talking, it'd be like talking about farming around here, wouldn't it? You know, you talk about rainfall and bushels and tractors around here, people are like, yeah, huh? You're talking my love language, you know. And a parable, when, when Jesus does it, he starts by giving a picture. He, he paints a picture that allows his hearers to identify um, with them. So he says, a farmer went out to sow a seed. And, and immediately people have been like picturing, yeah, I, I can f physically see that in my mind was happening. So around, around here be like, you know, a farmer went out to plant using his 16-row split 32 planter. And you guys are like, oh, yeah, I got one of those. And, and, and you know what they're talking about. Or around here, it's like a plant, uh, farmer went out to plant Pioneer 9880 seed. And you're like, yeah, I use some of that. Or, you know, it, it would be like a, a farmer went out to harvest his beans, and he's sitting behind his combine. And you guys are thinking, yeah, I get that. I can relate to that. Or, or an, another picture. I like to go to the coffee shop. So n another Kind of a picture would be hey, a barista went to make a coffee drink. And immediately I'm thinking, oh yeah, I can relate to that. And the barista stepped in front of the espresso machine and she hand tamped her finely ground espresso and she, she made a, created a perfect latte and she garnished it with some latte art on top. 
you describe that, I'm thinking, I could picture that, you know, I've been there. If you frequent coffee shops or if you've been around farming, these are word pictures. And that's how Jesus introduces this idea. So he's, he's, op- he's connecting with people. He's given this picture. But then he moves from a picture to a mirror. In a parable, when he does that in a parable, you begin to see yourself in the story. So now you're not only the farmer, but you are out in your field, you're in your combine, and you're looking to see what your harvest looks like. You know, you've finished up your beans, and you start to looking at bushels per acre, and you're going through all this in your mind, and and you are hoping that you uh, prepared and maintained your combine well so it could run all season without breaking down. And, and you're starting to wonder, okay, did I use the right kind of seed? Did I plant it the right kind of year? All of this stuff is going on, and, and you're beginning to see yourself in the story. Or to use the coffee house image again, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at the table coffee house, and I've just placed my order, and the barista has, has handed me my drink, and And I start to wonder to myself, you know, am I representing Jesus well to those around me in the coffee shop? Am I showing Jesus to those coming in or those behind the counter? So it gives this mirror of what it it looks like when you begin to apply the truth to your life. And then a parable moves to a window. It, It gives a window of God's grace into your life. So a picture to a mirror to see ourselves to this window to to illuminate God's truth in in your life. So so then Jesus begins to talk about the seed. And we can think about, you know, for you in the farming background, you know, what's your seed? How's it working for you this fall? You know, how's your split 32 planter, you know, and how's your combine working this fall? Or... You know, God's word is like that seed that you put in your planter back in April-ish and are now harvesting. Or God's word is is like the the cherry fruit of a coffee plant that when harvested and washed and and dried and roasted produces, you know, this incredible, one of the best drinks known to humanity, you know. We begin to see ourselves in it. So people knew about seed, they they knew about soil, they knew about lamps, they they knew about light and how to light up a room and what a lamp could do and what what a seed would do. And Jesus is using those parables to call them to action. So it's not just about lighting a lamp. It's not just, you know, what do you do with the lamp? Well, yeah, you set it on the table, everybody gets that. But he's he's saying to let, let your light shine. If you're following Jesus, if if you are a a disciple of Jesus, don't hide it under a clay pot or don't put it under a bed, he says. Let it be known. See, he's pointing to this truth and he's asking people to respond to it, to change their life. So Jesus is saying, yes, sow some seeds in the good soil. Let it produce fruit. Let your light of Jesus shine. Because why would you buy a, a light bulb, for example, and not use it? Let your light shine. And the word of God isn't meant to stay secret. It isn't meant to stay hidden. It's meant to be known. So Jesus is saying, share share it, talk about it, teach it, preach it. Let it transform your life as you let other people know it. So Jesus starts with this parable of the soil and really about the receiving end of Scripture. 
And then he moved to that parable about a light and lamp, and that's really about sharing God's word, to let it be known. And then, then he moves this parable, or he comes to this episode where his mother and brothers are outside, and they want to see him. And really, th this is about uh, practicing God's word. And, and in this parable, again, it, it might seem disjointed, but again, this word here connects it to all these other teachings that Jesus just went through. So when, when his mothers and brothers come, and it seems like, okay, now there's family dysfunction going on. There's a little issue inside the family because his mom wants to connect with him, and Jesus says, hold pause for just a minute. And it says this, now, now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Uh, there's always a crowd where, where Jesus went, throngs of people. And, you know, typical, you know, the parent would want to connect with their child. And so someone relays this message and says, someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And then look at what Jesus says in verse 21. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. See, God's word that he gives to us is, is a book to study, but it's also a lifestyle to practice. And Jesus brings it home. He goes from the soil to the lamp to this final verse where he says, if you want to be part of my family, put it into practice. You know, when I was in college, the, the, the Bible that was really um, popular at the time was the NIV Study Bible. And a, as we went, went through our Bible courses in college, that was kind of our, our go-to Bible, and I had one, and it was super helpful as, as we were studying Scripture. You can look at the notes, look at the outlines and the maps, and it, it was a good tool. And I used it well during my college years. And then later on, the, the Life Application Bible came out. And I thought to myself, well, I want to apply the Bible to my life, so I bought one. And just owning that, that Life Application Bible and keeping it on my shelf, you know what? It wasn't enough. It didn't do it all the time. So I thought, well, let, let's change things up. So I, I brought it to my desk and set it on my desk. And you know what? Nothing. Still, still didn't work. <laughs> So I started carrying it around with me. I'd put it in my backpack, and I'd carry this big old massive life application Bible around with me, and still nothing. And then it hit me, you know, if you want to apply Scripture, you need to be in it, you need to be reading it, you need to be studying it. So yes, stu study the Bible. And if you want to get into it, and you can learn the original languages, you can learn Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and translate it for yourself, and you can read all the commentaries, and you can read the theologians and really absorb that stuff. But let that study move to application, and let that application move to obedience, and let that obedience move to life transformation, because that's what these verses are talking about in Luke chapter 8. See, the point of this last section is that obedience to God's word, it changes our loyalty. Jesus said, if, if you want to be a part of my family, it means putting my words into practice. If you want to be a part of the church family, if you want to be a son or daughter of the king, if you want to experience stronger ties than, than sometimes our own blood family, then Jesus says, put the word of God into practice. 
You know, the, I read this week about the world's fastest growing plant. Anybody want to take a guess on what that is? It's bamboo, Chinese bamboo. Now, the interesting part about Chinese bamboo is that it, it takes five years for the plant to break the, through the surface. Yet it has to be watered on a regular basis, it has to be fertilized, the ground has to be worked, yet the shoots don't break the crust of the ground for five years. But then once they break the ground, they can grow 90 feet tall in 60 days. And all of their growth, all of their growth takes place in that one growing season. And on average, they grow 35 inches a day. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I mean, you plant it, you, you know, it starts to grow, you go out for lunch, you come back, and boom, thing is growing. You could probably clock it with, with a radar gun. But what's it doing for those five years that it doesn't break the surface? Yeah, it's putting down roots. It's going deep before it ever goes up. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up this morning. And, and as they do, as, as we look through this chapter 8, it's about hearing and receiving. It's about hearing and sharing. And it's about hearing and practice. And you know what? You might not see the fruit of your life right now. But maybe it's time to loosen up the soil, loosen up your heart a little bit. Maybe, it's, maybe the light of Jesus in your life um, has been under the clay pot for a little too long, so l- let it shine. Maybe you've been on the fringe too long and you need to be a part of a church family and say, yeah, I want to make Journey your, your church home. Maybe you've been attending church, you've been listening to sermons, you've been reading your Bible, but it's just bouncing off a hard heart with no life change. Then it's time to become a practitioner. And doing what the Word of God says. Now, I'm not sure where, where you are at specifically or personally at, at your place in life, but I'd love to have a conversation with you about what that next step looks like, about what it looks like to open up your heart, of what it looks like to let your light shine, or what it looks like to practice the Word of God where He has put you. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that Jesus showed us through this parable of the soils, the sower, through a light on a stand, and through what it looks like to be a part of your family. He shows us what it, what it means to be a practitioner, what it means to be obedient to your word. So, Father, I pray that each person here today can, can move from just knowledge of you to actually living out, practicing, and obeying your word. So, Father, we thank you that you make this possible through the Holy Spirit in our life. We pray this in your name.